Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works. Blake, what did you learn at the MXU conference? I can basically mix better than anyone you know now. Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, a man who is still trying to figure out mixing, watching YouTube videos, and uh, not getting very far. And I'm here with someone who could mix his butt off, Toby Walters. Now, there is photographic evidence of you at the Quantum 338 with Kyle McMahon kind of uh, guiding you along. Yes. And, you know, I don't know that that proves anything except you were standing at a mixer. Listen, Toby, the proof is in the pudding and they say believe everything you see and half of what you heard. And you can see that I'm in it and you're hearing that I did it. So I don't know what there is to dispute. And also you are 90 percent pudding. Exactly. (laughs) And you know what pudding does uh, fuels you to mix the best thing of your life. All right. What do you th- how do you think nonsense. they mix up pudding, Toby? <laughs> so we just went to the MXU conference down in Atlanta. That was a great time. Thank you, MXU, for putting that all together. Um, yeah, that was awesome. We love having the whole tech community together and seeing all of our friends. And I was able to go down a couple days before. You came down the day before. Um, so I, Toby, I are you willing a couple- to admit here live on the podcast that you left two days early just to get out of riding with me so you could <laughs> pawn me off on Sean? Sure, Blake. I knew it. Everybody knows that you're a lot. So I needed some introvert time in order to prepare <laughs> I knew for it. several days at the MXU conference with you. But uh, I got to stop by and visit uh, First Baptist Woodstock down there, as well as North Point. I actually had to deliver Brendan Petty's legs. What does that even mean? Well, Brendan you're a Petty surgeon is, now? Well, no, he's a leg man. So I had to deliver. Now, we uh, we sold North Point a desk a while back, and we literally forgot the legs. Toby, so we, I, should, we don't need to tell people publicly we forgot something <laughs> in the shipping. That makes us look like amateurs. But it also makes us look great that our one of our favorite church partners that, you know, we hand deliver things to them on occasion the as well. The CEO does. Especially Brandon Petty's legs. And then I got to tour the, the back not hallways, but like, so Passion City Church is in an old Home Depot building and they've renovated like half the building for the church, but they have a huge amount of storage space. And as you can imagine, Blake, there's a lot of production gear back there. All of this makes sense now. Like the high ceilings. I loved Passion City. I thought it was a beautiful venue, really set the tone for the whole conference. And now that you're telling me it's an old Home Depot, it totally visualizes. Yeah. So I got to uh, hang out with Jay Desai for a bit and see all that. And uh, hopefully Passion and, and Church Gear will combine forces at some point to help give them their storage space back because it is full of gear that has been there for a long time. And also Crowder has his own cage back there with all of Crowder's stuff, like guitars and you know all of his backline stuff. Also his record collection is so, in his cage, so the Passion cr- Warehouse. So with all that gear, Crowder is crowding out their, yes. uh, their space? Is yes. that what I'm hearing? Yes, that was, uh, that was okay. I'll give you a, a five or six out of 10 on that joke. Okay. 
And then uh, you joined us for the Amplio Golf Tournament. That was fun. Tech, yeah. After I did all the work in true Toby Blake fashion, Toby's riding around on a golf cart and Blake's setting up for the conference. So after we finally got that set up, uh, came over. You know, one of us is just a little bit more delightful than the other. So the other... And why was that one setting the, up for the conference? The other sets up the booth is the the message here, Blake. I'm just saying, I want to play CEO for a day and, and ride around on a golf cart. I thought that looked you very fun. You would burn this place down in like 12 minutes, Blake. No, because I know the important thing about leadership is delegating. And I would just delegate everything <laughs> over to Deshaun and be like, you run it and I'll hang out. And it would be fine. Yeah. You know, speaking of Deshaun, I'd really like to hang out with him more. Wouldn't that be fun? Well, we got to hang out with him at the MXU conference, but was that it? Like, are we just done? I think that we need some more Deshaun time. So speaking of and bringing in the uh, chief of staff of Church Gear, Toby's right hand, the glue that's holding this outfit together, Brian Deshaun. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And I wish my mic would have been hot about two minutes ago. Because Blake, I love traveling with you. Thank you. I don't know what Toby's problem is, but we had a lot of fun in our trip to Atlanta and back from Atlanta, and I also helped you set up the booth. Yeah, Deshaun is really why that booth got set up. You should have seen us, though, when we were tearing it down. We couldn't get the uh, big, uh, it's not step and and repeat. We couldn't get it to close. Literally, um, now I'm forgetting his name, but one of our tech director friends walks over and just touches one little thing, and then the whole thing collapsed perfectly. That's a tech director in a nutshell. You don't know how to do something. You use all your strength to try and figure out how to do it, and then the tech director comes over and knows exactly the little trick to make it work perfect. It was a microcosm of the community. I loved it. Yeah, (laughs) and I would have paid that guy anything to solve our problem for us. Yes. Oh, for sure. And I'd also like to point out that Deshaun, who rode down with you to MXU, also stayed at a different hotel from the rest of us just so he could recover you know, from spending the day with you. Really, only Dave <laughs> got the full Blake experience because, you know, Dave hung out with me every night for a long time. Dave Rodiger is a, is a good hang. So I'm, I, He is the best hang at Church Gear. Yeah. I'll give him that. There we go. Well, hang on now. Throw my name in that hat. So, Brian, <laughs> no. let's do some five truths and a lie. Do you, Ooh, okay. You know Toby and me pretty well at this point. Do you think you're going to fool us? I think I have you fooled. We'll find out. Okay, that feels confident. All right, Toby, you know, you and I are dead neck and neck for this, so this is is high stakes. Are you fudging the numbers again, Blake? Well, I'm just, this point's going to count for a lot. Is this a tiebreaker episode? Not yet. We're getting, we're about a month Mm. or two away from that, though. Okay. Number one, I had a near-death experience with Stephen Curtis Chapman. Didn't someone break into a venue late at night with Stephen Curtis Chapman? It was either him or no, Crowder. No, it was Crowder. Okay. Yep. Number two, I had to ask my wife twice to marry me because she said no the first time. That'd be a fun lie if it was really like he had to ask her more than that. It's like he had to ask her seven times the Lord's number before she finally said mm-hmm. yes. That's intense. You know, like walking around the uh, walls of Jericho. Yep. I'd Every like, time I passed. Yes. Will you marry me? Uh-huh. You had to, you know, she had to lower her guard. Mm-hmm. Yes. Essentially. This is yeah. a generational difference because nowadays girls will say yes because it's awkward and then they will bounce. Mm. <laughs> Number three, church gear. Oh, 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 okay. Church gear is my 10th paying job in my life. Well, I know that's the lie because I don't pay him. <laughs> I mm. thought he meant it was the 10th worst. <laughs> <laughs> I re- my brain hit that one faster. <laughs> Number four, I have been, which I would like to know where else he worked then. Yeah. Number four, I've been on a phone call with Mariah Carey. Mm. Huh. I know he did work in the, you know, Christian record industry for a long time and 
perhaps there was some overlap, like maybe Mariah Carey did uh, a couple gospel songs for a compilation or something or Christmas stuff. Or... What's up with that? Every artist does like a gospel oh, yeah. album, regard you know, agnostic mm. or not. They're just like, here's money, a money, truth. money, money, money. I know better by now not to try to finish that. <laughs> Number five, I've been money. to. Okay, there it is. <laughs> I have been to 25 of the 30 MLB ballparks. Freaking dang it. That is the hardest one on this list because he's a big mm. baseball fan. I know it's a thing to try to hit them all. He's well-traveled, but I could see that being like 23. Mm-hmm. Finally, I have been to the Southern Hemisphere. What does that even mean? Where is the summer Southern Hemisphere? I'm in the Summer <laughs> Hemisphere. Below the equator on the other side of the Earth, Blake. But like what's yes. there? Like what's a country he would go to? Antarctica? Well, Africa? South America? I'm going to rule that as... There's lots the of Americas truth. that are Australia? South Australia? America's New Zealand Antarctica Arctica. seriously Blake this, where is the southern hemisphere that's not even a cultural reference guys I've <laughs> left the country once to Canada on foot okay it's like third grade geography <laughs> I, maybe even first grade legit would fail geography a hundred times out of a hundred okay there's like three legitimate ones in here that it could be yeah very easily. I'm just gonna have to take a wild guess you know what I'm gonna let hmm. you go first and then All I'll because right. you'll probably take one of mine anyways okay uh, I'm going to say he's never been on the phone with Mariah Carey. That's not any of the three easy ones. Great. Um, <laughs> it's the ballpark or the paying job or the Mary. I'm going to say it's the 10th uh, paying job in your life. All right. We're locked in. He's got Mariah Carey. So I've got the ballpark. You say I've never been on the phone, a phone call with Mariah Carey. Correct. And you say. The paying <clears throat> job. Sorry. Yeah. The paying tenth, job. So how many jobs do you think I've had that I've been paid for? Uh, well, you're not hurt. Not 10. Me and you had a good like life story session, and I want to say it's only really been about four or five. Okay. We're locked in. What's the lie? The lie is I have only been to 20 MLB ballparks. Uh, That's pretty sneaky, Brian. Should have gone. That is almost, that is almost cheating. How's that cheating? Isn't it five truths and a lie? I lied. It's is cheating it? because Toby didn't win. <laughs> That basically, that could yes. be. Toby, I don't it, like it. Does it worry you that the man who runs your company is able to fool you so easily, right in front of you? Every nah. day. <laughs> <laughs> Let the embezzlement begin. <laughs> All right. Um, do we need to talk about any of these before we get into the? Uh, tell us about Mariah Carey and what that was. So yes, ironically, uh, this was not a gospel album, but last two years ago, she had a new Christmas song that came out. And our gospel division of where I was working got the opportunity to release that song. And so one day we were on with all of her team talking about the marketing plan, and suddenly the guy who was in charge said, hey, we have a special guest. And she hopped on the phone call with all of us. So I didn't get to talk to her at all. So it's a bit of a technicality, but I was on a phone call. I didn't say I had a phone call with Mariah Carey. I said I was on a phone call with Mariah Carey. And so she talked for two or three minutes about how excited she was to work with our company excited about the song and so on and so forth. Yeah. Was she generally pretty nice in those two or three minutes? Uh, yeah, I think it was pre-recorded, but it was fine. No. Yeah, she was nice. She was just <laughs> That'd be very amazing. kind. Very kind. Uh, the funniest thing was it was the call was like at 10 in the morning and she was just getting ready for bed. Wow. Because she'd been recording all night long. Okay. So here's That's a interesting. Qu- I just uh, did a quick Google because we all know that Mariah carries the spirit of Christmas. How much do y'all think she makes per year on just the streams of that song? Now? $10 million. I could be geeky and give you the actual math, but I won't. Okay. What are you going to guess? Is the annual streams just streams that she makes for that? It's higher than $10 million. 
Well, South China Morning Post says 2.5 million per year. So that feels inaccurate now. Just on streams, though? Just on streams of that one song. That's not all the rest of the royalties and licensing and all that. She'd be making the money. Uh, Tell us about the near-death experience with Stephen Curtis Chapman. So... That is perhaps a hair embellished, but if his manager at the time was here, he would clearly state it was a near-death experience with Stephen Curtis Chapman. But what would his insurance agent say? So, <laughs> not at all. So, it was on the road. We were in Dallas, Texas. And you know how you're not supposed to stop on train tracks at a traffic light? Yes. I was in Dallas, and I'm driving the rental car, and I stopped on train tracks at a traffic light. And as we were sitting there, lights started blinking, we heard the horn of a train in the distance, and I really think his Stephen was next to me in the passenger seat, and his manager's in the in the back seat. And his manager started, "Brian, you need to go. Brian, you need to go. Brian, you need to go." I'm like, "I can't go. I'm at a red light. I can't go anywhere." Um, and no joke, just as the arm started coming down, the light turned green, and we were able to go. And so his manager always said, "You just about killed Stephen Curtis Chapman." <laughs> I don't think the trains can stop, and also you should. Everyone should YouTube this right now. If your car gets hit with a train, I mean, it throws you like the Hulk just flicked you. So I would have got, if I was Steven, I would have got out of that car and started running. So that is my near-death experience Mm -hmm. with Stephen Curtis Chapman. It's slightly embellished by you, but Blake fully believes that that was near-death. Like you, yes. Yes. Trains can't stop, Toby. But if my memory serves, by the time we took off, I don't even think I could see the train yet. You could just hear it. Yeah, so... It'll be fine. But near, but near death is relative for all of us. Yeah, how you near? Know, people hit a pocket of air in an airplane, they think they're about to die. Mm-hmm. Even that's, not even yes. close to dying. Yes, that's me. <laughs> I was about to say, me and Toby, the moment we get on the plane, we are near death. <laughs> yep. Okay, well, speaking of some things that are almost uh, near death, let's talk about money, uh, sex, and drugs. Just kidding, just money. So... Toby, why don't you hit us with some of the stats that you thought were the most important? Uh, yeah, so we are uh, kind of reviewing a little bit of the statistics from our church tech pay survey, and we had over 400 people respond, which I was, honestly, I thought if we got to 100, but... <laughs> I was hoping for 200. It's, it's really hard to get people to, you know, contribute to things, even if it takes 30 seconds. It's really hard to get people to contribute. And this was an 18-question survey. Yeah. But obviously, we have hit a you know a subject here that people want to learn more about, and they want to have this conversation. And even at MXU, like there were several of our church tech friends that just came up personally and said, "Thank you for having this conversation." Um, even one of the guys at North Point said, "You know, I I have not heard this topic discussed in church tech in over fifteen years." So it's it's really great that we're doing this. And um, if you're wondering, like, okay, was it just Texas, California, and Florida where all this, where all the churches are? No, it's actually 44 states. And I'm wondering which six states didn't. Um, you know, I imagine like maybe Wyoming, the, or un- the unchristian states, the unchristian, Rhode states. Island, Delaware, yeah. those little <laughs> tiny guys, Nevada, and, and I was going to say Portland, but that's not the state. Oregon. <laughs> no. Do people live in Nevada? Okay, they do. Eighty um, percent were under 40 years old. A lot of the youths. So church tech is a uh, young man's game, apparently. Blake, you're going to age out in another. Boy, I done aged out two years ago. 29 (laughs) years. Let's see. Half of responses came from churches between 1,000 and 5,000 members. But we had responses from all sizes, really. Really good distribution. 
86%, I was actually really uh, pleasantly surprised about this, 86% work less than 50 hours a week on average. We're not talking about Christmas where we know, you know, church techs often work 100 hours a week, but on average, less than 50 hours a week. That blew me away because yeah. we talk so much about burnout that I was like shocked that that was the number. Yeah. Now, we should have clarified this a little bit better on the survey, but it does help that 70% of our respondents were full-time, are in full-time roles. Um, so that helped clarify the numbers a little bit. 65% of them are teams of seven people or less. And honestly, I'm surprised it's not higher than that because visiting as many churches as we have, there's very few churches that have teams of more than seven people. I think most are like... One to three. I'm I'm shocked at the amount of multi-campus churches that have one to two just full-time guys, and that's it, and then yeah. an army of volunteers. Well, I know my experience at my multi-site church I go to is you have the production team, but then uh, the front-of-house guys might be contracted to you know run front-of-house at that campus, but otherwise, they're all volunteers. All of them are volunteers. Um, you know, church ministry is a volunteer led types of organizations. So when I saw that, at first I was kind of shocked, thinking, oh, shouldn't it be more? And I was like, oh, wait a second. My own church has tons of volunteers production that you may not be paying as many people in production, but you have teams of people to lead, which got talked a lot about in the podcast. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> this one's funny. Just the way it's worded, 73% feel they are somewhat or paid less than accurate. So that means that you know, 73% believe they are at adequate or below. Does that make sense the way we're saying that? Sure. And it, only 27% felt like they were paid enough or above enough in Only 3%, I can just say this from memory, 3% felt overpaid. And that's fascinating. Who says they feel overpaid? Me every day when you're not looking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was, and I... I really wonder what those numbers would have looked like pre-COVID. You know, if we did the yes. survey in 2019 when things were different in this space and in the world too, things were cheaper in the world, like what would that number look like? COVID was tough for church techs because on one hand, it showed just how absolutely vital they are to keep your your production going. But on the other hand, then they made inflation so much higher that I don't know that the appreciation translated into salary increases. Yeah, and I know we talked about... Uh, we asked um, Tim Foote what he – now, he he gave a very wise response is what he felt like should be the minimum. He said he didn't necessarily believe in putting a minimum because there are all sorts of variety of churches and situations and callings out there. Years but of he, experience. Yeah. He did say an average, which he felt you know around seventy to 75000 a year average for a full-time church tech, and I thought that was pretty great. Um and obviously that's going to be more of a you know tech director role, more of a leadership position. But at least in our respondents, 70% of them make less than 60000 a year. And uh, less than 5% of tech people, based on our survey, make over 90. And I know like making over 90, like that's a good paying church tech job. And they do exist out there, but that's usually going to be a large multi-site. It's often going to be in more expensive cities or states like California, um, Chicago, New York, that kind of thing. Um, we should but, call that out because if you're hearing that number thinking that's ridiculous and man, I'd be so rich if I had that. Most of those are coming from the cities that it's so big 
that's the same as your salary or maybe even less with cost of and, city. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the higher cost of living. It could also be a church that really prioritizes the value of production. Right. And they say, we need somebody and we want somebody in that seat that has high level leadership skills, that has high team building and healthy culture building skills, and we're willing to pay well to do it. And I would love to see that number grow way beyond 5% because there are a lot of churches out there that could justify a you know pastor of production or a production director, global production director that makes more than 90,000 a year. Like they would be worth their weight in gold for those churches. Okay. Do we want to hit any, do we have any other sur, um, stat survey observations before we hit some quotes? Any, any other things to say? Okay. Well, if you want to get the full list of stats, um, just go to churchtechpay.com and you can get the PDF sent to you. Um, I think now that, oh gosh, this is scary. It should be coming out now um, or it might be a little later, but it, it should be out there pretty soon. So go to that website and you Shouldn't can get you the- Shouldn't you know that, Blake? I should, but That's guys- the three people in this room- all right, look. Let's the, just ask the brand director at Church. Are the three? Good if we had they one. know. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to call anybody out, but let's just say I've got emails that need responses if this is coming out and it's on time. All right. Let's get to quotes before I get fired. Who um, are you not calling out, Blake? <laughs> yes. I, didn't, didn't I? I responded to you in person. So on even the, better. That was just the PDF. That wasn't the extra content. Remember when I said we got to figure out, uh, like, overall Blake, take- you say so much that I just okay. can't keep it all straight. <laughs> These two. Lord, help me. Lord Jesus. All right. Guest quotes, or actually, I think a lot of these are from the survey. So who wants to lead us off on some of the best quotes, uh, either from the episodes or from the surveys? Um, I'll kick some off. Uh, one of the first sort of open-ended questions we asked was kind of a two-parter. What would what do you wish your exec pastor knew? Or if you had a magic wand to make a change, what would you wave your magic wand um, to do? So the comments are just amazing. And, and are we sharing all the comments? Are we sharing none of the comments? I think we're going to know the answer to that. I did, well, there's, there's, we've asked a lot of people here. Is it like weird to share all of the comments since they're still anonymous? And I think what we landed on is we'll share the top ones and, but they'll still be anonymous. So yeah. we'll, we will be sharing well, some yeah, of these. We don't even know who said these things. That's true. So we don't know yeah. to attribute them to. But one thing uh, I've thought about, and even when Blake and I went through the comments, we were reading all of them. Is just this idea, this quote, I think, sums it up really well, and we had quite a few of these, is the work it requires to support all aspects um, of ministry, not just Sunday service, but events and small groups. Production is a part of these things from start to finish, not just for the worship or just the sermon. It's a lot more work than a lot of other ministries. We probably could edit that last sentence out a little bit. Every ministry probably think my ministry is busy than any other ministry, but this idea and even my own time when I worked at my church, and for your experience of working at church, that you don't do a kid's thing without somebody from the tech team, even if it's a volunteer, somebody helping you do something. You don't do a small group event. You don't do a youth event. You don't, Nothing happens at the church without a tech person being present. Um, and so I just thought that was an interesting take uh, for quite a few people said something along those lines. And I don't know that probably generally church people think about that. I bet boards don't often think about that who decide salaries, you know, for people. Um, anyway, I thought that was very interesting uh, take of just that the tech team really touches every ministry in the entire church, and they have to show up, be the first ones there and the last ones to leave every time the church doors open. Yeah, that's big. I'm not going to—we definitely learned early on that we were trying to make a comparison, and it failed. Like, we're not trying to compare ministry to ministry, but yeah, I think that feeling comes from events. 
Like if you're at every, and I didn't think about that until Caleb Lepke said it on his episodes. Like if you have the tech person at every event and what do we just talk about? All these tech teams are very small. So if you've got one full-time person and they're at every single event, like when are they ever not at the church now? We were having a fascinating conversation with one of our good production director friends. And I won't say his name because he didn't approve me to share his name. Um, But he was one Christmas just working insane hours for the Christmas program. And everybody kind of said, oh, yeah, you know, Christmas, like that's the crazy season. And so he was killing himself because he didn't have enough team to really make it happen. And in appreciation at the end of it, which I thought was, you know, a really nice gesture, his executive pastor gave him an $8,000 bonus. Wow. But this man... (laughs) And he kind of, he he, uh, he did the motion like, you know, the Godfather, like he slid the offer back <laughs> across the table. He slid the check back across his table and he said, please take this back and use it to hire me help. And wow. then he took his hands and like pointed to the person next to him and said, and here is the result of that. And he literally, he gave back an $8,000 bonus to get help. And his help was there with him at the event. I thought that wow. was such a cool story. And also like, more money is not necessarily going to solve your problem. It may very well be that the church needs to put allocate more money to hiring more help because, again, you have to be at all these events. And when there are big seasonal productions, it's just not feasible anymore. I know. I think Caleb Lepke was talking about this on the most recent uh, episode about um, weddings and funerals and showing up at events at the church. Um, and getting paid for those, and sometimes awkwardly getting a check handed to you, or, or whatever the case might be. And I don't know what every church pays or or sets the rates for events like that, but from the churches I do know, is churches aren't going to set a high rate for that, because they're a church. People should get discounts for coming to use the church facility. And so if you were to have the same exact event somewhere else, you would get paid top dollar for your work there, but in the church, even then, they discount the rate, so then you get paid less to do an extra event, even if it's an outside event that's not part of your salary. Yeah, I know we were talking with uh, Scott Ragsdale and just about the reality of what the industry pays. And the industry pays what we'll just call top dollar. Uh-huh. And the church typically pays less. And I'm not saying that's bottom right or dollar. wrong. Um, it doesn't have to be bottom dollar, um, but typically you're... and. Production people even expect the church is going to pay less, but we have to find kind of this careful balance where the church we know is going to pay a bit less, but it also has to be within reach. So we all know that like money isn't the number one driver, but it's certainly up there and it is essential to be able to pay your bills. So it's kind of like we're aiming like churches, if you could get within 75 to 80% of what the industry pays, then those people that really feel called to the church and want to serve in church production can justify the expense to then, okay, well, I'm going to do these events at the church and I'm going to serve at the church, even contract at the church, as opposed to getting top dollar in the industry because of this calling on my life and I can justify it. Well, and to that point, one of the quotes was, I can leave the church world and make double what I'm making now. And then, so like that's secular to per, to um, production compared to the church. But even worse, here's where it's getting real bad, is college kids at Chick-fil-A are making the same as me. Our skills are extremely specific. We mo- we know more than you think. So like, yes, you're never going to make as much as secular production, but if you can't make, if your church can't pay as much as a Chick-fil-A can pay, 
you're going to lose your people. Because you know who's not working crazy at Christmas? Chick-fil-A. Like, it's normal work, but it's not... Well, they're paid hourly, so... Right. Right. I think along those lines, Blake, this other quote is, I would like him to know that the skill level required to do the work I do is equivalent to a software engineer. Toby, I think you mentioned this, you know, that one of the best jobs in America right now is being software engineers, and they are sought after, and they get top dollar anywhere they go. Um, But even being at MXU... I mean, you all know Blake and I are a little bit the same. I don't know anything about mixing or anything, but to go stand at that board and look at it, just stare and go, oh my gosh, people know how to use this? How much training does it take to know how to use this board? Um, It's not just as simple as showing up and saying, hey, I'll listen for the sounds and move my hands around and slide my hands around a little bit and figure out a good sound. There's, It is technical requirements and understanding, especially when something goes wrong. You have to know how to problem solve. So I just thought that quote was interesting of just, hey, I do the equivalent of software engineer. And I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, even that bottom quote on this list, a better understand. this is a quote, a better understanding of the scope of this position. Most people don't know what I do until I'm not doing it anymore, like when I'm on vacation. And I think that those quotes just kind of all go together. We saw this, and we'll mention this later in this episode, but just people want to feel understood. Like they want to be paid more, but they also just want to be known to a little more degree because the tech guy almost kind of feels like a lone wolf in a lot of the what's a wolf like, yeah did you just say a lone wolf a lone wolf <laughs> wolf there we go <laughs> like i'm not good at saying wolf it's it wolf? doesn't sound right it's like saying if you're trying to say the word rural rural like rural america rural 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 you almost have to say it with an accent rural no you don't just <laughs> rural yeah rural my wife really struggles with the word rural and i <laughs> it's I, Give her a hard time about it. It's really funny. So do you struggle with all words that have an L in them? Well, let's try. Ellington, say that, <laughs> fine. Lakes, land of the lakes. Okay, um, let's get back to these quotes. And uh, one of the other, I, this wasn't in our quote, but another good friend of ours in the church production space, he was talking to me about, he used to work in more of a corporate um, setting and it was still connected to the greater church and he was able to work with churches and he was paid handsomely to do it. And he appreciated that. But the entire time he's working on that job, he really just wanted to be back in the church. Like the draw was that strong. And so he left that job to go work back in full-time church production. And I I love that he just told me, I make $65,000 a year. He said, obviously, he didn't say obviously, but he said, I did make quite a bit more, but I love what I do in the church. And so his wife works so that the two of them together can make a healthy salary. But I can almost guarantee you if that was 45,000 a year, he couldn't have made that change. Like, yes, he took a pay cut, but he could still help provide for his family by doing it. Yeah, that might, we're getting ahead of ourselves because we're going to do overall takeaways later on. But yeah, I mean, you can have church, everyone that works at church knows they're going to take a discount. But is that discount small enough or wide enough? Because if it's too, if it's too wide, you're not going to be able to get people. You want to move on to uh, describe your job in three words? Is anyone, is anyone sure. have any other quotes they want to mention? Well, I do like this other one, um, just talking about going on tour. And that's kind of one of the draws, especially when you're younger, like the draw of going on tour. And honestly, if you're young and want to go on tour, go on tour. Yes. Like, oh, I would actually recommend it. Yeah. Kind of get it out of your system 
Um, but Get experience, some stories. you know, experience it when you're young. But I know talking with Caleb Lepke and I thought what he said was was really cool that he actually admitted that once he stepped out of um, church production into, and again, he wasn't touring, he was going into a more corporate situation, but he all of a sudden missed just the flexibility and the freedom that he had working full-time at a church. He's like, I didn't realize how good I had it. And I'm not saying that, that that's what all of our listeners have at their church, but there is a lot of flexibility and freedom in just the weekly rhythm of church production and church ministry that uh, oftentimes you're with a team that you really enjoy being with, and there's some down days and some slow times. And when you step out of that into either touring or you know more corporate world, there's not those down times. You are just working when you're on and until the clock goes off, like you are working hard. So that's definitely the trade-off there. You know, you you really hit on one there when, when like you're with people you like, because I've taken some road trips recently with Brian. I've had a great two weeks. I took some road trips back in the day at other jobs. Wouldn't have wanted to do those. <laughs> Sadly, Brian here is thinking the inverse. But <laughs> Okay, so let's talk. Did he nearly kill you on a train track, though? You know what? Brian, did I get jumpy at all on our car ride? I don't think so. I think Brian is in the top tier of echelon of drivers for me because he's just a very responsible guy. Except you know? when he's on train tracks, apparently that would <laughs> apparently that would have scared the crap out of me. Okay, so one of the uh, that would have been a messy car. Um, one of the things in the survey was describe the, your feelings about your job in three words. And I don't think we've actually got any quotes here. We've really just got themes because me and Brian read through every single one of them, and there was lots of I love it. Like as much as the underpay is constant, people also just love their jobs as, as church techs. Uh, there's a reason they keep doing it, and it's not because they're underpaid and they hate it. <laughs> yeah, there's something, you know, I talk here at Church Gear, and you've probably heard this before, is when you enjoy what you do and you feel you are good at it, that combination, you rarely ever get tired or exhausted or burnout. When you combine, it brings me joy, it fills me up, and I feel professional in it, that I'm actually good at it, that combination is the right combination for you get things. I love it. I don't care that I'm underpaid. I don't care that I have to work every weekend. That you, like, you care, but you don't care. It's like those things matter. And so if you feel good at your job and it brings you joy, like you're living out God's purpose for you in that sense, all you say is, I love it. Yeah, no, uh, every business book I read on this subject says that you know, pay and benefits and, you know, complex uh, profit sharing models, they only do so much that really the goal is to pay the person enough so that they feel valued and then you can take pay off the table. Yes. And beyond that, there are so much other things that are essential to that person loving what they do. Uh, so really, we're just trying to get church techs and churches to the point where they can take pay off the table. It's like, okay, now I have a salary that I can live on uh -huh. and take that worry off me so I can focus on what I love doing, which apparently is being in church production. Right. Well, Brian, how right. many quotes did we see that said, I'm not trying to make a lot of money. I just want to stop living paycheck to paycheck. There was yes. a lot of paycheck to paycheck quotes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that this series or even the survey people are saying, hey, I need to double my salary. I need to be rich. I'm all about making money. That didn't show up anywhere. It was just, hey, I struggle financially, and if the church paid me a more reasonable salary for what this position is, I'm going to be great. But because, Toby, to your point, because people feel like they're underpaid, now it becomes a bigger issue. 
Yeah. Oh, every problem when you're underpaid is double. If yes. you're if you feel adequately paid, a lot of there's so many things you can shrug off. I would I would almost say the theme of the whole series was to your whole point, Toby, on just getting it to where it pays off the table. You're probably somewhere around eight to ten grand away from just taking this right off the table. And some instances maybe a little bit more, but yeah, just need a little bit more of a bump. Um, speaking of things that you need a little bit more of a bump of was some appreciation. We had a lot of quotes that were just saying, like we literally had quotes that said, I don't need more money. I just want to feel appreciated, known, and understood. I think church techs feel a little lonely, but maybe they don't feel comfortable saying that in a non-anonymous setting. I mean, I can tell you from personal experience, when I worked in production at the church, I don't remember a single time I was ever thanked or given encouragement, um, besides maybe my dad, who was the music director. But the only things I remember were people complaining. And when I kind of like switched focuses and switched callings to worship ministry, that's when the encouragement and the praise came because I was up on stage and people could see it and they knew who I was. Um, so yeah, I totally understand that production people work behind the scenes and don't get noticed unless something goes wrong. Yeah, I would almost say pastors, if you want a f way to retain your church text for free, like no additional cost, just say thank you. Find ways to show appreciation. Yeah, and I get... Uh, on a Sunday morning in a church service, you may not expect people in the church to walk by you and say, great slide movement today. <laughs> you kept right up with my reading ability, you know? That light cue was awesome. They don't... Do the mics work or don't work? Do the video screens work or not work? That's about the knowledge of the people going to church. But to not get thanks or appreciation from the people you work with who are your teammates... Can you imagine, like, a sporting event a sports team, sports team gets together and they win and they don't thank each other, congratulate each other on winning. They just go about their business. No, they all give each other high fives, pat each other on the backs, good game, you know, good whatever that the staffs of churches should have the great leadership say, hey, let's appreciate everybody who does things at our church, not just the visible ministries. You know who the church techs are? They are the offensive line. Like without them, the entire thing falls apart. You know, football started back, but no one <laughs> notices. And I was watching Jets Hard Knocks, and the coach, who was just a really great speaker, said, like, if someone scores on this team, you better not celebrate alone. You better pull people. And, like, it was either him or another team. They noticed one lineman would never celebrate, and they chewed him out, and they said, you go celebrate all of you together. Yes. I wish I understood this more when I used to be a worship leader, worship artist, That, and I totally see it now. It doesn't matter how good the band is up on stage. If it is not mixed well, presented well, the video elements, the lighting isn't thoughtfully done and well done, well crafted, like I'm not engaged. That's, yes. <laughs> I wish that I would have recognized that and thanked my production people more. And I did thank them, but I wish I would have thanked them more. Because at, uh, so where I go now, Church of the City, Josh Fisher, I'll just shout this guy out like every single week. This guy is a brilliant front of house engineer. Who and, claims he doesn't know tech. Uh, well, <laughs> he's more of an artist. Like it's a very musical thing that he does. But like, I swear to you within three seconds, if he's not mixing, I know it. I'm not saying it's bad. It's still great. But he has just this magic sauce that when he's mixing, it's like, ah, like I can relax and the music's going to meet me emotionally in a way that it never would have otherwise. The Josh sauce yes. coming to a Kroger near you. Okay, let's see. What else uh, you want us to know? So this was another question that we just put out there. Like, what else do you want to tell us? Um, and there was typically two themes to this one. I'd say one of these was just benefits, benefits, benefits. 
had a lot of people talking about benefits. And I think where we landed on the series was, if you don't have benefits, you should try to negotiate for a little bit of a pay bump to cover them. But otherwise, I mean, it's just kind of random. You don't know if your church is going to offer them or not. It's an interesting psychological thing. I'm not downplaying the effect of benefits. I think obviously healthcare is extremely expensive if you don't have health benefits. You know, retirement comes at you whether you know it or not. Um, but I think there are certain things, even just what we saw about being valued and appreciated, that benefits play into that conversation. That somebody Hat, like looks at a job, and if there are no benefits, regardless of how good the benefits are, they kind of say, ah, I think I'll look somewhere else because there are no benefits here. And so if a church just took a little bit of allocation to even just get the base level of benefits to get their people started, that they would feel appreciated. And they could right. even tell their wives, we have benefits now. It's just, it's a small thing. It might be $100, $150 a month difference. But it's feeling appreciated. It's a it's a huge psychological difference. Yeah, there are uh, lots of ways that you can put benefits. And typically in America, benefits mean some sort of financial, additional financial compensation on top of your salary. That's how we know it in America. But when I've, even for myself, when I've thought about jobs I've wanted or places I want to go where I think about is... I don't know any list I've ever made have I put insurance as a thing I want out of a job. Does that make sense? Like, mm -hmm. yes, I want insurance. I mean, welcome to America. But there are so many more things that stack on top of that in terms of I've heard this word a lot on this podcast is flexibility. You know, people who care about my family as much as I do. So that if I want to go to my kid's thing after school, nobody cares if I leave at 2.30. You know, and I've had jobs before where if you leave at 2.30, we're going to maybe talk to you the next day. We don't care about my family, you know? So there are things you can stack on top before you ever get to medical benefits, mm -hmm. you know? Now, I know medical benefits are really, are very real for people. If you're going to have babies or if you're, you know, perpetually sick or have issues with your, you know, whatever your body is, I get that. Um, but like I said, I just stack up lots of things before I ever get to insurance as benefits. Um, it's part of the reason I like working at Church Gear. I mean, Toby, when you and I talked about it, is there are a lot of stuff, perks at Church Gear um, that I may not get other places. Uh, and so I'm happy to pay for my own insurance because I get that benefit that I bring more value to my life. And I wish that everyone would just do the math. I don't discount the, you know, effect and the financial effect of having health and retirement benefits. But if you look at it another way to say, okay, I can contract outside events for three to $400 a day. I mean, some guys are getting five, six, $700 a day doing front of house. If I could do three of those a month, you know, that's a huge financial benefit. So if one of the things you say to your church, you know, I know that, our budget is limited. I know that I'm not going to get paid quite as well as I would out in the industry, but can I have a little bit of flexibility to mm -hmm. contract on a handful of days? And I know a lot of our church techs do that, and that can be a really helpful way to get to do what you feel called to do, which is serve the church, but also help provide you for your family. Because as we have said so many times, the industry pays the most. So if you can find some of those events, I know it depends on which city you're in, what connections you have, but, but those opportunities are out there. Okay, let's hit our overall biggest takeaways. So there's a lot of them here. So who wants to who wants to go first? Who's got the first takeaway to hit us with? I'll Brian, jump into Brian this first one. Uh, this is going to be a 
like the big church, not maybe your local church, but the big church. But historically, um, churches are going to pay more for visible, and I put in air quotes, pastoral roles than they will for behind the scenes types of roles. So people that are visible up in front of people, that's always one of the, uh, what's the word I like? I'm, I, I'm blanking on the word, but perceived value if you're up in front of people and can communicate, you're always going to get top dollar inside of churches. Uh, so that's just one of my takeaways, listening to this podcast and even thinking about my own time working in a church, being a part of church almost my entire life. I've been, not my, almost, I am my entire life. I've been around church for a long time, but just the visible roles seem to get rewarded more inside of church than non-visible roles. I don't know what you two think about that or your perceptions. I mean... Well, it sounds like, you know, you literally were hearing that played out back when you were doing production, Toby. Like, uh, it wasn't pay, but it was praise mm-hmm. when you were behind the But even board. pay, like, I've seen worship pastor salaries before, and they're usually quite a bit higher than production salaries. Right. And I don't know that the worship pastor is doing anything more valuable than the production director. I'm not saying it's less valuable, but those feel like equally valuable roles to me. The fundamental difference is on stage, off stage. Well, those takeaways, Brian, literally go with each other because the next one in the list was uh, talking about like, should they not all just be equal? Talking right. about the production director, the worship leader, the creative pastor, all of that. Yeah, my experience when I worked at my church was we had a creative pastor who oversaw all these areas, you know, and the lead worship and the tech director and the communications people were all the same level inside the church. So again, I don't, I can't talk for every church in America of what their budgets are for how they do these things. But you know, if you have uh, the worship pastor reporting to the lead pastor and the tech director reporting to the exec pastor, you've already created an imbalance in the perception of what what they are inside the organization. Um, and again, I'm not taking away from worship leaders. It's a very unique skill set and talent, just like a technical director is a very unique skill set and talent. And I don't think those talents are unequal. I think they are equal. And I'm not even a tech person. I'm not a worship leader either. I'm neither of these things. But they are equal in my mind of, Toby, what you talked about earlier is the experience it creates on a Sunday. Just create an experience. Just forget a Sunday. Just create an experience. You need the people who are on stage, and you need the people who are off stage. Those have to come together. And if you remove either one, it's pretty crappy all the way around. And I would almost even argue that the production people are more valuable nope, to the nope, experience. Nope, not comparing ministries. Shut up, Blake. <laughs> We're gonna get Do I trouble. need to start over my whole thought now that you interrupt me? For the online streaming experience, I would almost say that production is plays a bigger part into what you experience at home than you know the worship band. Yes. Uh, it's there's so much involved in creating like taking you into that room when you're at home watching on a, a TV or a computer. Like that's a very special skill that wasn't really a thing five years ago at most churches. It just was an afterthought. So that's something to put weight towards as well. Yeah, you saying that just made me think when even my own vernacular of using visible versus non-visible, I'm going to rephrase that because what tech people do, everything they do is visible. Video screens, lights, uh, what you hear, not visible, but our ears hear that. But all that is a visible ministry. Um, And if all that went away, you know, but even... I'm sure you've all had this experience. If you know the pastor walks on stage and his mic doesn't work, everybody turns around and looks at the production booth because clearly it's their fault. Yep. You know, <laughs> and then sometimes you see the pastor reach down and go, "Oops, I forgot to turn it on." <laughs> you know, 
but we still somehow blame the tech guy. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and that's been my experience of watching in church, you know, happen that uh, most people sitting in the seats don't know when a guitar player misses a note. They might be able to hear a pitch change in the singer somewhere. That doesn't sound quite right, but they don't do anything about it. That's just part of the experience. But when a tech person makes a mistake, everybody knows it. Everybody sees it. Everybody feels it. But if that guitar player just misses an entire something, generally most people don't know they even miss something. And I'd love to, just like A and B, you know, as a singer myself, I've heard myself without any processing. <laughs> and so if we could A and B some of that stuff to understand what a great front of house engineer does for at least for vocals, that people would understand like, oh, okay. <laughs> yes. We appreciate you very much. Yeah, and you just said this earlier, um, but... We can, I think we can, those of us who know nothing about the technical world can look at tech people and say, oh, there's a bunch of mad scientists back there. There are a lot of artists. Doing lighting is an art. Mixing sound is an art. Those are, creating video content is an art. That is all art. And so the artists at churches make a lot of money. How come the technical artists don't make as much money? Mm, very good thoughts. Very good thoughts. Okay, so let's look at um, what this was. This was one of my takeaways that I put on the list was churches are asking other churches what to pay their techs, and they're all getting together in this like vicious, painful echo chamber where they're <laughs> all saying, "I underpay my tech." Us too. Okay, great. Not really. They're saying numbers, <laughs> but if it's Caleb Lucky pointed this out, like if they all are underpaying them, like maybe instead of asking other churches what you should pay your techs maybe find a way to talk to your tech director about if they feel underpaid or how they're doing, because I think this echo chamber is what's created this environment. And I've enjoyed us being able to enter this conversation. Um, I don't think we, you know, by any means have all the answers, but we're helping look at more information than just churches asking churches what they pay. Um, just last week, Tim Foote introduced me to a friend of his who's starting at a large multi-site church as a creative pastor and he reached out to Tim and said, hey, I need to get some sort of reference point on what to pay production people. And Tim said, oh, well, let me introduce you to the church gear guys, because they've been talking to churches all over the country and can help provide for that. So it's been really fun to start offering some just helpful information. And if you were wondering some of the same things, churchtechpay.com, we're offering free resources there where you can get some of these answers that are outside of, well, I just called the other church and they're paying their tech director $43,000 a year. So we'll pay ours that. Like there's a whole lot more that goes into the conversation. Tech, yeah. Okay. Anybody else got a takeaway they want to throw out there? I mean, I also want to remind, you know, we talked about the the rhythm of church ministry and it is, and I've seen this played out in some of our church gear guys that come from church ministry and then join us at church gear, like the rhythm totally changes and they are thrown. And I'm not saying it's, it's better or worse, but they can often struggle where they're like, oh man, you mean every day I wake up and I have emails to answer from like 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and they still keep coming overnight? Yes, like that is corporate rhythm and business never stops and never sleeps, so to speak, especially in, you know, the the day of the internet here. And I've worked on church staff, I've worked in ministry. There is 
these wonderful things about being involved in church rhythm and church work and hopefully wonderful teams of people that love to serve the local body. And so when pay is a big deal, when you're making significantly less than you need to, you forget about all these other benefits. And really our goal is to try and get that pay up again to the level where we can take it off the table and just focus on all those other reasons, the culture, the rhythm, the calling um, that it is. But, you know, as Caleb Lepke said, like, don't forget sometimes how good you have it just working at a church. We're just trying to help provide for a livable wage as well. I'll echo that, that, that I think this is a very balanced topic, should be a balanced topic, and hopefully we have balanced it well. Uh, I think the guests have done a really good job balancing it, that it's not just about we're not on a soapbox going, pay us more, pay us more, pay them more, pay everybody more. It's not about that, that there is a balance, exactly what you're talking about, this rhythm of ministry uh, that is hardwired different than the corporate world. Um, and I know my own experience, I've worked in faith-based um, companies my entire life, but some are corporate music business and some are non-corporate church I worked at. And church gear is probably somewhere in the middle, I would say. Yeah. It's definitely not corporate. Um, but it is still, there's a sales function to it, you know, like we're constantly doing things. But all inside the context of faith-based work, um, and even for my church and here at Church Gear compare, compared to my true corporate work, is there, there are things about the culture and the flexibility, stuff like that, that matters a whole lot. And as I've been listening to the podcast and listening to you guys talk, I thought about a story of my friend, this has been, I don't know, 10 years or so ago making great money. He could provide for his family, never complained a minute about how much money he made. You know what he complained about? I can't go to my daughter's softball games. Sometimes I miss church on Sunday. I can't go out with you guys on Friday night. I miss dinners. That's what he complained about all the time. And I remember talking to him saying, hey, have you ever thought about getting a different job? Yeah, we can't afford for me to get a different job. And I would say, can you afford not to get a different job? You know, but he was in corporate America, worked for a really big company, and he was beholden to the money he made. And the money he made was not providing for him in any way, shape, or form. And he complained about it all the time. And I felt for him, and I was like, man, I don't have that. Woof. Yeah, that's called golden handcuffs, my friends. Um, okay, well, then I'd say the last overall takeaway really just kind of leads us into our next topic of ways to increase your pay. Um, and so this is kind of an overall takeaway, but also we're now moving into the, these are the top ways to increase your pay. How many times did we hear EQ in the survey? It was EQ, EQ, EQ. It sounds like I almost would put text in three phases. You start off and you start learning the technical side. Then you, that's phase one. Then you get really good at the technical side. You're five years in, that's a jump. And then if you want to make that last jump to the big positions and pay it, people only talked about EQ, literally heard nothing about learning X new technical thing. It's interesting uh, when I think about leadership and and my experience of being a leader and when I teach leadership, uh, my first session I do when I teach leadership is all about you. It's not about how you lead anybody else, it's about how you lead yourself. And I always start with emotional intelligence. I did it with church gear. If you guys remember the little emotional intelligence thing I gave you guys, you remember we did a whatever last offsite this summer or whatever. Yeah, I'm wildly immature in my emotionally. <laughs> Wait, no, Toby, he fixed us. We have great amounts of. No, emotion. he fixed you guys. <laughs> okay, but it's just that idea that before you can 
lead other people or before you can expect to just get paid because you're technically proficient, how emotionally mature you are matters a whole lot. And if you're not willing to work on yourself, why do I trust you to work on other human beings or work on your job any, work on yourself? Well, and to just be super clear here, we're not saying like tech directors aren't mature or anything, but it's like there was this deep emotional like intuitiveness that leveled up leaders, like people who knew the, how they felt, knew how others felt and could handle and help them in like a really great way as a leader. So yeah, I guess, I mean, we put leading others in here. Not sure who put that in there, but. Yeah, and if you think about it, um, you know, production people and we often kind of preach and I put quotations around that, but like since COVID happened, the church production world is totally different. Like in some instances, they're doing twice what they used to do. And so there's the argument, hey, I should be compensated more because I'm doing a lot more work. There's also the other side of it where the church says, yes, we totally understand production is way more important than it was five, 10 years ago. So we need production leaders that are twice as talented as leaders anymore because those teams are huge now. I remember, you know, going to 12 Stone and they said they have 250 volunteers. You can't keep 250 volunteers gainfully serving around the church campus without great leadership helping them along the way. So there's both elements of it. And I say, you know, echo what you said, Brian, like emotional intelligence is probably the, the, number one thing and also the hardest to find. Because if you're going to be a leader and suddenly be responsible for other people and the performance of other people, it's what you just said, Blake, I have to understand my feelings and what to do with them. And I have to be able to understand your feelings and how to help you with those, you know? And a lot of times uh, leaders become leaders because they were great star players and they've never learned how to be a leader. And so they just go keep playing and forget to actually lead anybody. You know, and they might turn into really good managers. Uh, there's a difference to me between managing and leading. It's a whole different topic. But uh, star players don't always make star leaders, you know, or great leaders. And so how do you, in your culture as a church, where do you teach leadership? How do you develop the leadership, the emotional intelligence side of somebody, while you're developing their, their uh, technical expertise in whatever they're doing? And I think that that's... Uh, uh, a struggle sometimes for people because they don't think about that. They just think, well, if I'm good at what I'm doing, well, usually how you get more money and promote, get grow inside an organization is having un people underneath you and responsible to you. That's the easiest way to get more money and to grow inside an organization. Well, if you don't know how to lead other people, you won't get more money and you'll not grow inside an organization. I'd almost wonder if churches are, because how many tech people do we talk to that they joke that they don't know tech either? It almost seems like churches are willing to take leadership over tech not saying that's right or wrong, but like if you want to find ways to increase pay, that's been a common theme. It's been interesting to talk to an occasional person, and I'll make it like a Dennis Choi archetype. And for those of you who don't know Dennis, he's the pastor of production at Saddleback Church. And Dennis is the first one to admit, like, he's not the most technical guy. Honestly, he doesn't read trade magazines, doesn't follow every technical aspect. What he is is a pastor first. Like, he is a leader of people, and so he hasn't been entrusted with a large production team at Saddleback because he pastors those people well and he leads them well. And I can almost guarantee you, he would say, a lot of my people know way more about tech than I do. That's not my job. That's not my role. Um, but churches can often see the value in 
the the leadership skills, the people skills, even if you don't know tech that much. So you, you might want to shift your focus if you want to advance in church production, in ministry, shift your focus from, I'm going to learn every technical aspect of this gear and understand how it works, to I'm going to understand how to build a healthy culture and lead people well. And some of you might opt out. And I fully respect that. You might say, that's not me. That's not the way God designed me to be. I'm a tech guy. And so that's a fine thing. Just be honest with yourself about it. And I would say that if I completely agree with that, and if that's your path that you choose for yourself, and that's what you desire and how God wired you and everything, then be great. Yep. Just be great. Be the best at whatever you have been called to do in your job inside of a church. Don't let not being a leader dissuade you from still being great. No, 100%. There's a reason why Corey Edwards and Jeff Sandstrom and many other people that I'm forgetting here just get paid buku's amount of money to just be a is A1s, A2s, or whatever for church services. Like mega churches will pay you to come do that thing you're great at for a Christmas service or a big event or whatever. The last thing I'm just going to slide this in here just because this is for my own, you know, learning and living as a person. Like you got to, and everyone said it in the series, you got to have a good relationship with your direct report if you, or the person you report to, if you want to even advocate for yourself for more pay, which is funny for me to say in a room with the two people that I report to. But like, you know what I mean? Like if you don't. Blake, you only report to one person in this room. You know what I mean clear. though? Like <laughs> by the chain. <laughs> When we were setting up and you were texting me like, hey, what are we doing? Brian was like, hey, you should text him back and say, shut up. I'm with my boss. <laughs> I didn't do it. Save right, it for sweet. this moment. Uh, it reminds me of another conversation I had just a few weeks ago with another one of our production friends. I wish I could shout them out, but I know like we're trying to keep certain things uh, confidential. But he, Yeah, we don't want to get someone fired over this series. No, this, yeah, this was the opposite where he came to me and he said, hey, my pastor's going to go to bat for me with the church board. Can you give me kind of a fair range for where I should be paid? And I was like, what? That's amazing. And so I gave him some numbers and he's like, okay, I'm going to let my pastor know. And, and I'm like, that is exactly what you're talking about. I guarantee you that guy has an incredible relationship with his pastor, that his pastor is willing to go to the church board to say, hey, we need to pay this guy more to do what he does. Like, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, can can I talk to the people who are currently in leadership in churches, exec pastors, senior pastors, creative pastors, if you are in charge of any technical people, or anybody on your team, but in this case we're talking about technical people at churches, if you don't know how to talk about pay, you should learn how to talk about pay so that you know how to talk about pay with the person who reports to you. It's going to stop there. You should have the maturity. We talked about maturity, but you should have to know how to talk about pay. And if you don't know how, then go learn how to talk about it, because we are, we are telling tech people now, go talk to your leadership about pay. And if they're learning how to talk about pay, you can't be the person on the other end and going, uh, uh, let me talk to HR. I'll be right back. <laughs> that was a good voice. Well, you know what's funny is the next bullet point on our outline is how to have the combo. So let's transition over there. Um, and so again, I'm going to combine here how to increase pay and how to have the combo with a bullet point of who was it that gave us this? Was it, um, it was Scott Ragsdale that was like, Hey, find another production company in your area, find some job listings, show what they're paying and then say, Hey guys, I want to stay here. Love this place. 
But like, if, if I left, here's what you'd have to pay the next guy just to get someone in the door. So it almost felt like the, that felt like the, the most bloodless way to start the conversation to just show like, this is why this bump is needed. And if, if I leave, you'll have to pay someone else more. And that would be a bummer. So I'd rather just get paid to retain myself here. And I would highly recommend going to somebody that is not your leadership team first and kind of practicing the conversation, yes. getting some advice. And if if I were you, I'd reach out to another church in town and see if you can have a conversation with their executive pastor. Say, hey, could I buy you a cup of coffee sometime? I want to have a good, healthy, like productive conversation with my executive pastor. So I would love some advice on how that would go. And I think there's you know, a level, a huge level of humility coming instead of saying, hey, here's a job at production company A in town. They're paying this. I need to be paid this or I'm out. Like that's not going to go well. Right. And so learning from somebody that can help lead you through that conversation and approach it humbly, I, I think is really helpful advice. Yes. And having this, I mean, this is such a sticky conversation. It might I mean, unless you're underperforming at work, it's probably the most difficult one to have. So let's hit on the things that we learned from the survey and, and from the series on how to have the conversation well. Who wants to to lead us off here? I think uh, listening to Tim Foote, I forget if this was his first or second part, um, but he just said, don't go in making statements, go in asking questions. You know, uh, I just thought that was really good. I even have an experience, Blake, a little bit to what you're talking about is I had somebody who worked for me. Um, it's been just a few years ago. Scheduled a meeting with me, came in and said, hey, I've been thinking about what I'm paid. I've been here for about 18 months or so and looking at what my future is here at the company. I've done some homework. Here's what I've done for other people have similar jobs to me, things like that. And long story short, I went to my HR team and said, hey, this person has a really good point you know, about this. This conversation didn't start this, but the HR team at the company had already been talking about, hey, we need to raise the floor of the organization for these entry-level jobs. And within about six months, the entry-level jobs went up by 33% inside the organization just to raise the floor to help people have a wage they could live on. You know, But the point is, this person, when she came to me, she did not demand anything. She just started asking me questions because here's the homework I've done. Almost like, very respectfully, what's the homework you've done? You know, And it was ended up being a very good dialogue about that. But I thought his his... Because so many people get nervous about asking or asking for more money. Don't ask for more money. You know what I'm saying? Go in and say, hey, here's what I've been thinking about. And at the same time, don't do it in a moment of desperation where, oh my gosh, my review's coming up in two weeks. I need more money at my review time. You should have been talking about compensation way before you ever get to that review. Get them thinking about, hey, I'd like to make more money sometime. How do I make more money here? What's the path to make more money? Just don't assume you're going to get more money. Ask the organization. If they don't have a good answer for you, keep asking. And I would, kind of what you're saying, I would start that conversation way before asking for more money. Uh, as a business owner now, I have a very different perspective because people literally come to me and ask these kinds of things. So what I want to hear and what any pastoral staff wants to hear is, number one, how can I be more valuable mm -hmm. to this organization? Not how can I be paid more? What is more value that you would like to see me bring to the organization? Where do you want to see me grow? Where do you want to see the production department grow? And what ways can I, you know, you're not saying advance and make more money, but you're intending that but you're coming at it at a very humble way rather than, hey, I need more money. Like, it just leaves a sour taste in the mouth if you go straight at it. Because people will pay more for things that are more valuable. Yeah. 
Yes. That's man, Brian doesn't realize for podcasting you kind of have to, you know, say a lot. He's good at saying a lot in a little. <laughs> so I don't know what to do when he just has like a five sentence gold nugget. <laughs> uh yes. People will pay a lot more when you're more valuable, for sure. Okay. And it, like as simple as it sounds, my number one advice would be have the conversation. You might get three years down the road and still be griping about your pay because you never had the conversation. We can't help if you won't at least have the conversation. So start somewhere, start with a very trusted source to say like, I'm really scared of this conversation. Can you help? That's a very fair place to start. My son recently was having uh, issues with one of his teachers at his school. And every day, have you talked to your teacher? No. Next day, he'd come home and complain. Have you talked to your teacher? No. And finally, after about a week and a half, we said, you can no longer complain to us until you go talk to your teacher. <laughs> if you have talked to your teacher and don't get anywhere, come back to us. But we are done. You complaining about it isn't changing anything. So same time, if you are upset about your salary and you're not talking to anybody about it, talk to somebody about it. Just yeah. don't complain to your spouse and your family. I don't make enough money. I, I hate where I work because I don't make enough money. That does no one any good. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to say there are two C's to every problem. You either can complain about it or you can create a solution about it. That's Those are your only options. Um, and then I really love whoever put in that line, it's only awkward if you make it awkward. I think that's just a great, you know, great status to live by, honestly. If you just kind of seem chill about it, They'll still, they, they will stay chill about it. Kind of as, as you mentioned, Brian, not coming in and it's like an act of desperation or desperately needing that raise that last second. So any other things that we want to hit on how to have the conversation here before we get into Toby's tech takeaway? Can I add one quick yes, thing? Yes, please do. That, uh, we've talked about this here at Church Gear before, and I think this showed up a few times on the surveys of people's comments. I might advise anyone who's thinking about having a uh, difficult conversation with their leader about more money, your choice in your life circumstances is not a reason why a church should pay you more money. Yeah, it's, uh, what is that, like, speak to their problems? Like, just a general persuasion technique. Like, yes, you might feel the pressure from your financial, like, whatever's going on in your life about inflation. It's not, as a business owner, Toby, if I come to you and say, I need more money because of inflation, is that more persuasive? Or how can I be, well, let's see, inflation's gone up 10%. How can I be 10% more valuable to you? I mean, which of those is going to play better? The second one. <laughs> yes. And, it's, and yeah. like, I don't want anyone to feel bad for that. Like, I'm a human too. Like, you feel that, but you don't want to just try to pass that pressure off to your boss. Instead, you got to work on it in a much different way. So it's okay to feel that but don't just try to transfer the stress of that onto them. And like, there's some common sense about, you know, if you're making $35,000 a year and it's not really your life circumstance or choices anymore, it's just you live in America in 2023 and $35,000 a year is typically not enough to live on right. unless you're like renting a one room in somebody else's apartment. But if you make $70,000 a year and you're... You know, then your life circumstances, your choices are becoming your own. You know, if you want to yes. drive a luxury car and can't afford it because you're making seventy thousand a year, like that's your decision. Then right. find a job that pays a whole lot more. Yes, I'll never forget in personal finance class in college them showing how someone's lifestyle making four hundred could feel less than someone making forty. Oh. I know we all know that, but it's always a great reminder. Okay, man, are we really going to land the plane of this this tech pay series? It's been so good, I don't want to finish it. But Toby, why don't you wrap us on a 
a tech takeaway, a benediction, if you will, a kind of final word of encouragement to our techs uh, to get them fired up and ready to advocate for themselves in a in a way that will not wreck all their relationships at church. <laughs> I feel like we need the keyboard player to come in at the end of the service. Nice little pad that yes. Toby can yep. speak over the, at the end. The Where the Nord, Nord is. The Nord, the Nord, Nord is. is. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's really just reiterating a lot of things we've been saying. Like, we're not trying to advocate for production people to make ridiculous amounts of money. We, I think we're all on the same page. We didn't go into church production to become rich. That's Nobody was saying that. We're trying to get salary to a livable wage where we can take the discussion off the table. So focus on all the other wonderful things about your calling to work in church ministry. So we understand, you know, $35,000 a year creates a huge discussion around salary because it's not enough. But giving to it, getting to a livable wage is what we're aiming for. But also the other side, which we cannot downplay, is you have to be worth your wage. You have to grow your skills in the emotional intelligence and leadership. Like you are in a leadership role within a church, which means you have to lead people well. Um, so we can't, you know, discount one over the other. Like they are two equally thing, uh, equally important aspects of this conversation and discussion. So, you know, you want more money, we get it, we're for you, but bring more value to the church at the same time. Put those two together. And the we're all going to win if that's true. The church is going to win, you're going to win. Like it's just a good thing if we can do those two things together. Don't forget to sign up for small groups on your way out. Oh. <laughs> Have a great Sunday everybody. Oh my gosh. That's so great. Well, well, guys, this has been a fun series. Thank you for doing the wrap-up. Brian, thank you for joining us. First time on the me. podcast. And uh, let's see what we put out next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. We hope to see you back next week for more absurd stories, tech takeaways, and overall buffoonery here at the Church Gear Studios. Uh, Blake, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel like Brian did as a guest today? You know, I definitely think we'll bring him back, you know? I mean, let's not tell him that. Let's make him wait. And I mean, not like anytime soon, but I mean, maybe next year sometime. <laughs> next year. So he just got stiff-armed for the end of year wrap-up is what I just heard. I think we should do a live episode of Blake's performance review as hosted by Brian. Because oh. apparently he's the one you report to, as I'm, you made it abundantly clear on this episode. I'm getting the sweats. I'm getting the sweats. And can you imagine a more shared episode than that one of Blake's performance review live on the air? There are a couple things to talk about, but I'm not I'm not completely opposed to this idea. <laughs> um, my ego is too big. Um, but hey, if you want to equip yourself for your next performance review, where should you go, Toby? churchtechpay.com yes we bought that url for a reason so go over there download the survey you'll see all the stats and uh you'll even have some of our takeaways and stuff like this today in a cute little pdf and is there a way to just passive aggressively print that off put it on your pastor's desk i don't <laughs> don't do it don't do it <laughs> that's a reach joke. out to someone wise that you trust and have the conversation with them ahead of time to prepare yes this is mental nuggets not a thing to forward Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church gear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? 
uh, you know what? That one works. <laughs> 